Um, but prophets are kind of like um, a tower that we can look to, like a lighthouse. Um, so when we're doubting, we can kind of collectively look there and know that there's someone God has authorized to speak for us and to us um, on the earth. And that's how we can kind of guide our life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the What the Faith podcast. Who you just heard there is Hayden and Haley Blanchard. And as you probably guessed by the title of this episode, today we are diving into the misconceptions around Mormonism and really asking the question, what the heck do Mormons believe? We are pleased to have Hayden and Haley on the podcast and we're actually releasing this episode as a a wedding celebration. Hayden and Haley just got married last week and we couldn't be more happy for them. We really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We, We dive into some pretty fun stuff, talking about Joseph Smith, polygamy, levels of heaven, modern day prophets, all the things that oftentimes people who are not part of the LDS church have questions on. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and learn more about Mormonism. I, I grew up in Southern California. I, my, both of my parents are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was baptized when I was eight. Uh, participated regularly in church activities, went on a mission to Frankfurt, Germany, and got back from there three years ago, and I've continued to be active since. But it's really more than just like attending church meetings and whatnot. Um, In recent years especially, the church as an organization has been putting focus on home-centered church. So like learning about Christ and expanding our faith and building our personal relationship with God individually. I think that's, but besides like those um, logistical aspects of like my membership in the church, I think it really comes down to my personal relationship with God and how my membership in this church supports that. Cool. Yeah, I could, in terms of logistics, I guess you're like, the things that Hayden just mentioned, I have the same background. My family are members of the church, both of my parents. Um, and I was baptized when I was eight. That's usually when you get baptized, when your family is also uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when I was 19, I also served a mission. I went to Yakima, Washington, speaking Spanish. And I got back three years ago. So we have some twin stories in that regard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also agree with Hayden in that it's much more of like a heartfelt journey. And my heartfelt journey would be like more complex than those events that I just described. And like, maybe fully present sometimes and not always there in other times, but fully presence now. <laughs> For listeners who maybe don't know a lot about the Latter-day Saints, um, what, what you believe in your faith, uh, can you kind of just paint a, a, a brief picture of that? Yeah, for sure. I can go ahead and do that. Um, I think if I was talking to someone who had never heard about the church before, I would just, um, remind them, I guess, something that's been in the media a lot recently is the name of the church and, like, the importance of that, and um, we believe in prophets or leaders who speak with God and have authority to give us, um, like, his commandments. Those people are called prophets, and recently our prophet, his name is um, President Nelson, Russell Nelson, he just reminded us that the name of our church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I was talking to someone who didn't, had never heard of that. Um, I would tell them that Christ is very much the centerpiece of our religion. 
And we believe that he wants us all as his family, as children of God, to come back and live with him again. And so the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the church is to give us the tools and the resources and the enabling grace of a Savior so that we can be ready to return and live with God. I love it. I think, yeah, Haley really hit on the core foundational beliefs. And I think, so from, from our belief in Christ as our Savior and the Savior of the world comes also the, um, like, faith, ha- having faith in Him and what He's done for us, repenting, making covenants like baptism, um, these promises between us and God, and then continuing on that path, um, learning things about about God alone is in um, I, I think we, we learn things so that we can change our heart and grow, and then we want to continue to act on those. I'm curious, too. Um, one thing growing up, and so I, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, and there's a, there's a lot of similarities between, I'd say, them and, and uh, Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, I'm curious, one of, the, one of the main things that I saw is compared to kind of other Christianity, as a Jehovah's Witness, there's a very there's kind of a tight spiritual schedule. Like, you know, we had kind of more going on day, like day to day or, you know, in the week that we would attend or be a part of. And I'm curious um, in being a Mormon, what do you have a certain schedule that you guys kind of follow to like keep up your spirituality? Um, and kind of what is that like? I mean, that's our, our church. I think what you're getting at in part is like the community aspect of church us um like we have sunday meetings they used to be three hours until about what a year ago mm-hmm. year and a half and then they were changed to two hours every sunday um there are also youth activities once a week um everything is just about everything in the day-to-day like church congregation is volunteer based so that also demands time but it's not I wouldn't say it's, this, it's not the same for like every person. Like you might have one person who's a bishop and another person who's like the Sunday in the Sunday school presidency or like teaches Sunday school lessons. Um, and those callings cycle. Um, otherwise, with structure, I'd say like most people probably try to most people probably try to pray like at least twice a day or read the scriptures, um, like the Book of Mormon or the Old and New Testament. Um, yeah, that's as far as my mind goes, as far as scheduling goes. Yeah, I definitely think we have some elements of, um, like daily spiritual renovation, maybe you could say, and that's not anything that someone checks up on. It's a super personal decision, but for sure, I think that our teachings align with like kind of, um, daily pondering and praying like Hayden said, and studying the scriptures also, like he said, for youth, um, there's this thing called seminary. Also, youth and like young adults, people who go to college, we we believe in studying the scriptures, um, the Bible and the Book of Mormon together. Also, two other books called The Pearl of Great Price and The Doctrine and Covenants. Um, so we, we take a year during high school, if you're like in high school, <laughs> you go either early in the morning or some states have it like during the day and you just study the scriptures for maybe a class period and then you can graduate with like a certificate or I don't know why I put that in air quotes because it's actually a real certificate Um, (laughs) graduating from seminaries and Institute of religion. And so I think we put a lot of um, 
emphasis on studying the scriptures and we have a little structure in there to like make that more formal and even like i had in 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 germany on my mission the members there with such widespread and like fewer numbers they still had seminary it was really impressive they would get on and meet over zoom or whatever it may have been because they were farther apart but five five twenty or six twenty whatever it may have been depending on their school schedule they still did that so hayden you kind of briefly touched on it there but um i'd kind of like to talk about the religious texts of the latter-day saints you've got the book of mormon but you also do uh mormons still do study the bible um could you kind of explain um you know the Pearl of Great Prize, all of, all of these other kind of texts that uh, differentiate, um, you know, Mormonism from other denominations of Christianity. Yeah, so I mean, let me go into a little bit of backstory, I guess, there. So lots of people have heard of Joseph Smith. Um, we refer to him as the prophet of the restoration. We believe that, like, this prophetic authority that God speaking to the whole world through the authority of a prophet was restored with Joseph Smith when he was called as a prophet in 1830. So he translated the Book of Mormon, um, plates that were shown to him, like gold plates that were shown to him by an angel. He dug those up and translated them through the power of God. And that's like, that's a record of uh, people that, it was, it was like 500 years before, before Christ came and then Christ also visited them after after he died we believe so that's a record of of those experiences and later or like through through the history of the church the doctrine and covenants came out as like a collection of revelations and instructions that joseph smith received and then other there, there are a few other prophets that follow joseph smith whose words are also in there and like Haley mentioned we believe that god still leads this church through um, through a prophet. The Pearl of Great Price, um, I can't remember exactly where those records were, where where those were found, but I'm pretty sure that Joseph Smith also translated them. Yeah, I, expand on that here? yeah I, I recently um, reviewed this, I guess, in one of my religion courses at BYU, but um, the Pearl of Great Price was like um, an ancient record that was found on a piece of papyri or papyrus. Is that how you say it? Papyrus. Papyrus. Um, and that contained like some ancient teachings about Abraham and the book of Genesis and some things about the Bible. And yeah, just like Hayden said, that that authority that we believe prophets have to, to speak to God's children, which is all of us on the earth, that was the power called the priesthood that Joseph Smith used to translate that papyrus um, and include some of the elements that were on there and also more revelation or information that he got from God. And then that is what um, makes up the Pearl of Great Price. Yeah, and some of those things are like um, creation story Mm -hmm. stuff, similar to what you'll find in Genesis. Like it's the book of Moses and Abraham. Yeah. With um, the belief in prophets, I mean, we have most religions believe, or many religions believe in a prophet, prophets of some sort. What I find fascinating is that it's you either believe that prophets stopped existing at a certain point, or like if you're a Mormon, then you believe that they're still prophets. And I'd say both sides, if you look at the other, 
it's equally as distant or equally as foreign of a concept. So I'm curious, could you explain why you believe that prophets are still existing today? Like what makes you believe that they're truly a prophet? Yeah, I think that's a great question, especially with the acknowledgement that it could seem totally foreign to someone to think like a prophet today, like that, it just seems weird maybe to a lot of people, especially because it, it seems like something that comes from the Bible and it's like ancient, um, maybe not something that we're familiar with today. Um, so I'm forgetting like the exact question that you just asked actually, but like, are you asking like why we believe or like how that might seem to another person? I'm, I'm curious. I think, I guess the main question is why do you believe? Just simply, why do you believe that there's still prophets today in contrast to the belief that there's no more prophets today? Okay, gotcha. I think the simplest answer I could give to that, um, and I hope it's not too ambiguous, is that God loves us. I think that um, prophets of old were communicators from God to his children from like a source that everyone could, can listen to and believe because we can always pray to God and to get answers to our personal questions and concerns and anxieties and everything. Um, but prophets are kind of like um, a tower that we can look to, like a lighthouse. Um, so when we're doubting, we can kind of collectively look there and know that there's someone God has authorized to speak for us and to us um, on the earth. And that's how we can kind of guide our life. So for me, a prophet is important and valuable because I know that when he speaks, I'm listening in a way to the voice of God. And that helps me make my more personal decisions as I go back to God and ask him to like help me understand something more, um, give me further direction in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like Haley's saying, it's just this pattern of how God showed, showed his love to his people then and that he continues to show his love to to us now in that same way um and i think some people when hearing that might might think that we don't put as much emphasis on that personal personal revelation and personal relationship with god but Haley kind of touched on that at the end too that um and i would expand saying that um the prophet and like these this type of religious authority isn't there to like replace our relationship with God, but rather to strengthen it. Um, that he guides, he, he gives guidance for the church as a whole. Um, and like we have some, twi twice a year we have a meeting called General Conference where the prophet and the 12 apostles, we believe that that same apostolic authority and structure that Christ established is also established in this church. Uh, that like the prophet and the 12 apostles and other church leaders meet and give guidance there. But like for me personally, that really helps center me um, with my faith in Christ. Like those ch church meetings weekly and twice yearly general conference helps me to remember what's important about my relationship and with, with God and change the things that I need to change to strengthen my relationship with him. So, I mean, now that we're on the topic of prophets, I feel like we should kind of move this conversation to talking about the, the main guy that everybody knows, which is Joseph Smith. Um, and I think even if people don't know the total teachings of the LDS church, I do think probably somewhere along the line, most people have heard something about Joseph uh -huh. Smith. 
Um, and so one of the big questions that I'm so interested to ask you guys is, you know, I think a, a big hot topic that has been very central to people understanding the LDS church has been polygamy. And so, you know, you talk about prophets kind of being this like lighthouse, you know, like shining a light so that we can continue to grow in our faith with God. Um, but we also see too, that like, there's a lot of things about like Joseph Smith's life that now the, the church has changed almost its stance on certain aspects of his life and how he lived out his life, which one example is polygamy. And so I'm like, so curious to know, could you kind of just elaborate a lot more on the polygamy topic and what the church kind of believes now? Yeah, I mean, Haley might have some more fresh things to say (laughs) with her religion class. Um, I don't know if I would say that the church is like, I mean, from, from my knowledge that the church has edited its stance, I just say that it's become like more and more there's been an increasing effort to be extremely transparent. I wouldn't say that things have been hidden, but like um, that I, I mentioned how like we believe that Joseph Smith saw God the Father in Jesus Christ, and that was kind of a key event that started that process of restoration, translating the Book of Mormon and whatnot. So like there are multiple accounts of that vision, and that the fact that there are multiple accounts, like he told different people in different ways, it's not like the exact same words or anything. That kind of unsettles some people. Or polygamy, like some people thought that he didn't have multiple wives, but like when that church history is made more public, it's like he did. Um, The question also becomes like whether that was a sexual relationship and um, Haley again might have more (laughs) to say on that based on her recent religion class. But most of his relationships were not. Um, his, like, we, we believe that, we, we, have, we have, like, ordinances, like baptism and whatnot. And the sealing ordinance, the marriage in, in the temple is one of those. So we believe that that helps to perpetuate family relationships after, after this life. So those Latter-day Saints back then who were sealed to Joseph Smith, not all of them were sealed with the intent of an earthly relationship or a sexual relationship at all, but with a different understanding of that ordinance to perpetuate family relationships after this life. Yeah, I think that's a really good, like, synopsis. This is a, a difficult subject. Like, I don't know if I could ever give someone an answer that would satiate their um uncomfortableness no discomfort that's the word discomfort about like the idea of polygamy and if I can be vulnerable I've definitely thought about this and like um like there have been times when I've been like disgusted by the thought or like repelled by the thought like how could God command that or why would he command that um and that journey through like all the documents are like the historical things that Hayden just mentioned and like the Joseph Smith papers and all the history you can find on the church. It helps you understand maybe the nature of those relationships as well as the purpose. You can either, you can even find some primary accounts of those polygamist wives who spoke of their experience. And there are a few of them who spoke very highly of how they experienced polygamy. And that, that boggles my mind, but I do trust that what they, said um in terms of faith like that they believe this was 
a commandment from God or like um, a way for God to help them and protect them. Like I believe those primary accounts and I think that they were from like well intended women who benefited from the polygamous relationship. I know that can be like really hard to even conceptualize. Um, but either way, like all in all, I think that as members of the church or non-members of the church struggle with those ideas, there's always the choice to either believe in God and his prophets or challenge that. And I've just chosen to believe it because I really feel in my heart that one day I would understand why he could command that or why he did command that in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I personally believe that that was commanded of God, but there are other things like Joseph Smith was also a person and he did make mistakes that unsettled people. Like he made some poor financial investments, for example, but also in the Bible, you see evidences of prophets being imperfect. Like Jonah, for example, instead of going straight to Nineveh to preach to those people, as God asked him, he ran away and had to get swallowed up by a large fish for, <laughs> for three days with all of that symbolism, right? Um, prophets are people too. They're not perfect. And I think it comes down to our, our choice to, to believe that they do speak on behalf of God um, to, guide, to guide us. And one of one of the things you brought up about explaining the stance of polygamy that often maybe those bindings had to do with kind of after this life, the family values after that. And maybe you could kind of explain the beliefs around what family, Mormon's beliefs around uh, what family is like after death and what kind, what that kind of means and how that kind of carries on. Yeah, go for it. We just love the question. <laughs> I think that's a great question. Um, yeah, we believe that families are eternal, we, meaning that uh, they continue after death. We believe that we live with God before we came to earth, and we were one huge human family. We all share uh, the identity of being children of God. And so families, um, God gave us families to learn and to grow and to experience failure and hardship because we can name like thousands of examples, trillions, billions of examples of families that are broken or that are dysfunctional or that are hard or that are wonderful and very like, there's just every kind of family possible. So God gave us families so that we can grow and we can learn and he wants us to be able to be with them forever. And so the sealing ordinance um, is an act that binds us to our families and binds us to God through a thing called a covenant which Hayden mentioned, is a promise between us and God. Like, we will keep your commandments and you promise to bless us. And in the case of a sealing or a family ordinance, um, a sealing ordinance, you're promising to keep his commandments and he's promising you that through Christ's redeeming power, you will be able to be resurrected and live with your family forever. Wow. So well said, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I, I guess kind of a follow-up question to that then is that I think the belief of family being eternal and going on past this life is a very beautiful belief. And that obviously affects how you live your life today. Could you kind of explain kind of just from a very human standpoint of how that just kind of affects your, your family life and how you really view that kind of relationship? Yeah, I, I'll go for this one. <laughs> um, I mean, eternity is difficult for me to conceptualize. <laughs> I believe that these relationships will continue and that life after death will be beautiful and fulfilling. But like, 
what is eternity, right? Like how I, I can't, we can't really fathom what infinite years are. Um, and how, how it affects my relationships now with my family um, kind of brings me back to an experience I had in high school. Um, when I was a sophomore, or it was like sophomore year, freshman or sophomore year, and it was over winter break. It was a super rainy season in California when we have those, right? And the, the creeks near, near my house were flooding. And my, bro- my older brother, Taylor, and I, had heard from older friends that it was a super fun time to get some boogie boards and hop in that creek and go down it. (laughs) So we and another couple of friends did that. Well, we were going to. We trekked down there and with our boogie boards and sandals and we're ready to go. And then as we got to the side of the creek, the water was a lot higher than we thought it was going to be. So as we were about to turn back, my brother actually slipped, um, getting swept down. And we looked for him for like an hour, hour and a half. Like, I don't know if I've ever prayed harder in my life than when I was praying for my brother to be safe in those moments. Um, and that, when I, when I remember that experience, that was really key for me and being grateful for, for my family now. Um, because like, even, even though I do have this belief that life will continue after death, like that doesn't mean that grieving is easy. And it doesn't mean that like saying, saying goodbye is, is easy. So I think it, it gives me hope. Um, our, our belief in the eternal family gives me hope about um, what will come after this life when I have loved ones who pass away for whatever reason. Um, and it makes me treasure the relationships more, I'd say, because I know that, or uh, yeah, that they'll be eternal yeah i could agree with that um ali i feel like you're gonna ask another question so i'll let you go (laughs) well i'm just curious um what's the belief um on because you know so there's family ceilings and you believe that family's eternal um what's the belief on if you have family members who are not a part of the faith you kind of explain a little bit more on uh, just the view of salvation and how all that works in the religion. Yeah, so that is um, a really good point to cover because there are a lot of family members who, or I mean, members of the church who have family members that aren't. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a friend I had. She um, got baptized like six years ago and her family is not a member of the church. So she's come to me a few times and been like, wow. Well, this is hard or this sucks. Like you keep talking about eternal families and none of them, like none of my family wants to live the way that I'm living, which is fine. That's their choice. So um, I guess to be most direct, we believe that only those who choose to make covenants, who want to make covenants have the promise of the sealing um, in eternity. We also believe that Christ um, always wants to give that opportunity to everyone. Um, and so I guess I would respond to this question with saying that we abide in the hope that everything will work out. Um, that probably sounds too, too ambiguous to someone. So like we believe that Christ wants us to be together as families. We believe that he wants us to be happy. And so every person on this earth um, who hasn't had the opportunity to 
listen to the teachings of the gospel and like choose to make promises or covenants with God, we believe that they will have that opportunity. And like through the years, um, like when Christ comes and reigns on this earth, which is a period we believe is called the millennium. And afterwards, we believe that uh, people will be able to hear the gospel and choose to decide how they want to live. And that includes the opportunity to be sealed to their family. Yeah. So there's kind of the justice aspect in that we believe that people do need to make covenants and that God is a God of order. Um, people need to choose to accept, um, accept like this gift from Jesus Christ um, to have those blessings. But there's also the mercy of what Haley is saying is that we, we believe everyone will have the opportunity to do so um, in this life or after. And who knows what an opportunity looks like if, if uh, one of the missionaries in our church approaches you on the street and says, hey, do you want to learn more? For me, like, that's not really a full opportunity to get to know God and get to know, like, there, there's so many factors that only God can be the judge of that. But as far as, like, the role of, of our church and whatnot, a lot of that mercy comes in in that we do, we have these temple ordinances, right? Like, we mentioned how the sealing happens in the temple. Most of what happens in the temple is vicarious ordinances. So, like, my great-great-great-grandfather died. I'll do his family history genealogy, which genealogy is huge for, for us. There's, and this is a big reason why we do that. I'll find his records, and it's like, oh, he was not a member of this church. Um, or he did not, like, he, he wasn't baptized, didn't receive these ordinances. So then I'll go to the temple, and I'll be baptized in his place. And we believe that through that, he can also have the opportunity to accept that ordinance. Yeah, I really like the point that Hayden just made, because I grappled a little bit with the word like opportunity, like everyone will have the opportunity to accept the gospel. Like, and just like what he said, is that the missionaries coming up? I don't think so. Especially when I look at my life, like what opportunities, quote unquote, have I had to come to know Christ? Um, like that looks like me in the depths of sorrow. That looks like me in the depths of joy. Like that looks like me being a human and experiencing so many things and Christ being with me. And so I think like that personal relationship with Christ is what the gospel is, what we believe is the purpose of going to church and being a part of this church. And so people will be offered that. And if they feel that's congruent with what they believe and what they want, then they will choose to make covenants with God. And then that's how people can be sealed for eternity. Yeah, Hayden, you mentioned a little bit there, obviously baptisms for the dead. Uh, and one thing I feel like is also a big misconception is kind of the distinction. And I've had a few conversations with Mormon missionaries about this is um, I'd say like a lot of Christian denominations believe that it's Jesus work on the cross and his resurrection. And it's only belief in Jesus doing that miracle that you will be saved. Uh, where at least my experience with just the LDS church is kind of belief in Jesus, but then also works on earth. So serving a mission, I don't know if baptism is also part of salvation or, you know, the afterlife of different levels of heaven and all those things that I know um, the Mormon faith teaches. Um, what What is the, is there a distinction between that? Do, does the LDS church believe in just Jesus to be saved or is it Jesus plus other things you do? That's a very good question. Mm -hmm. um, I think in some aspects, so yes, like without Jesus, none of it's possible 
first of all. Um, we believe that everyone, so everyone on this earth, we believe chose to, to follow the Savior, follow Christ, um, and take part in his plan to come to earth and receive a body and be tried and tested to see whether we would choose to follow him again um, while here in this part of his plan. Um, so in one aspect, his atoning sacrifice, his blood on the cross, makes it possible for all who are here to be saved from physical death. We believe that everyone on this earth will be resurrected and have their body again. Um, but spiritual death, like which we define as sinning, sinning against God, like God gives us commandments like thou shalt not kill, which can be more interpreted as murder, honestly. Um, things like that are um, places where, like the, the gift of Christ's atonement for physical resurrection has already been paid and we've already accepted that by being here, that those covenants, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's our, our works and like, okay, I was baptized or I went on a mission. Like those going, being baptized is one of those ordinances that is like a sign of our willingness to accept what he did, but it still is by, by Christ and by faith in him that we're saved and not by those choices and works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so baptism is considered like a saving ordinance, and saving ordinances we believe are necessary for our um, ability to return and live with God. And the reason that for that being is that through his power we can be cleansed from sin, because without Christ's power it is impossible to be cleansed from sin. And so um, I feel like the things we believe that you must do, such as saving ordinances and keeping the commandments, those are just the action that like, um, yeah, that shows your acceptance of the grace that has already saved you. So like your choice to be baptized is acknowledging that, wow, Christ gave me like a new heart or Christ gave me a new life and I can choose to accept that by keeping his commandments. Um, likewise, so a mission is not a saving ordinance. That's something you can choose to do. Um, Marriage is a saving ordinance. We believe that you can continue to um, live with God like through marriage and stuff. That didn't sound very good. Marriage is something you do to like um, reach exaltation, which you mentioned the levels of heaven that we believe is like living with God. That's the highest level of, of um, like the afterlife, I guess. So yeah, um, there are certain saving um, ordinances, but the main purpose, the only purpose actually of those ordinances are for us to accept the gift that Christ has offered us with his death on the cross and with his suffering in the garden before he went there and his resurrection. So uh, you, I just want to make sure I heard this right. So uh, marriage is considered a, a saving ordinance. So like if, I, if someone was to be like married within the Mormon church, does that kind of like automatically get them to the level of heaven where they're in the presence of God? No, I mean... Like the, these covenants are more than just checking the box of like, okay, I was baptized, done, like married in the temple, check. Like it, that, that's like a moment of making a promise and to, to reach 
like that highest level of exaltation of living with God, you need to keep those promises. So like keeping the commandments, sacrificing, um, like living your life for God and in a way that he would have you live it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going with this. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> Um, no, I think that answered the question. Every, every ordinance we make is just an opportunity to come closer to God. And so it kind of, it seems natural and it is the way in the church is like you're baptized and you're confirmed, which means you can have the Holy Ghost or like a guide to, um, help you through life. And then marriage is just another opportunity to come closer to God. So that's why it's considered a saving ordinance. It's done in the temple with priesthood authority or authority comes from God. And so then that's just another context in which we can keep the commandments with another person and start another family. And all of our family will have um, blessings from heaven because we chose to make a commitment with God. Yeah. And we also, I wouldn't say, well, while these like levels in heaven can feel hierarchical in a way, we don't really think of them as like, okay, like, it's more like based on how you've lived your life, this is like the kingdom of glory as we turn that, that you would be comfortable in. So like someone that's been living their life, disobeying God's commandments or like not doing the things that, that God would have them do would not be comfortable in the presence of God. It's kind of the language that we use around that in church a lot. Um, so it's that as well is not an expression of, of punishment it's like oh, okay you you didn't like check off these boxes you didn't do these things so you're like in a lesser kingdom it's uh based on your life this is what fits best in the next life mm-hmm. and if i could just make a small concession to those who don't marry because i know that's a really hard thing for people and maybe they don't want to get married or anything that can surround that um, we, we just believe that marriage will be an opportunity that you have also in eternity, just like coming to know Christ through baptism um, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Since it's a saving ordinance, we also believe that for those who don't get the opportunity in this life, they will have that chance in that. We talked about people who didn't get married, but what about you know people with different faith? Who one of I mean one of our favorite guests we've had on uh, Frank he had this really great illustration that I mean forever should kind of change my perspective of two people in a museum um they go their separate ways they both find the most amazing piece of art that they found in their life come back together and want to tell each other come come look at my piece of art like it's the best thing ever it'll change your life and neither of them will move because they won't go the other person's direction because they you know they heard about and then but the thing is is that they're just on two different sides of the same piece of art same sculpture they saw just different sides of it and so and i think there's especially amongst like agnostics and such it's a kind of a, a similar feeling of you know we have our western religion and eastern religion and so with this thought what what is your feeling of people who there there's some very devout you know whether they're a monk or whether they're these people living a very moral life and their belief system is extremely different but it kind of leads to very similar places and how they and let's just say living a moral life and what kind of future would you believe kind of awaits other, you know, very devout, faithful people? Mm. Um, 
That, was, that brings me back to my mission experience and meeting so many people whose experiences in their faith strengthened mine deeply, like um, other people and how they, how they understand and love God and express their love for him, where we shared our beliefs with each other and were mutually strengthened through that experience. Um, I don't, I, I think in those types of cases, like when we're doing the best that we can, when we're living the best life that we can and trying to serve others and serve God, that I don't think those people will be judged harshly. That kind of brings me back as well to the thoughts on like, what is an opportunity? Because like, I do believe that um, everyone should, must, must accept Christ to like reach that highest level of heavenly glory. So while they're living to the best of their knowledge now, I believe at some point they will have that an opportunity to expand or um, to, to come to know Christ as well, um, in addition to the truth that they already know in their faith. Um, so I don't, I don't think that God, that God will judge people harshly when they're living their, their best life in that way. Yeah, for sure. Like, I can also count on numerous occasions, like, how other people's faith or even proclaimed non-faith has inspired me. Like, just their commitment to what they do believe, whatever that is, and how they live according to those values is honestly so inspiring. So I think that, just like Hayden said, like, to people, whether they believe different religions, if they can have a bond together that strengthens their relationship and helps them find joy in life. Like, I think that's amazing. And I think that that's just two children of God strengthening each other. Um, and yeah, I think my overlying belief is similar to Hayden's and just that one, at one point we will all come to a perfect understanding or at least a communal understanding of God as he really is. And so in this life, whether we see that differently as we travel to that common understanding, no matter what religion you are, you're probably flawed in a little bit. I mean, we're all human, right? So like my understanding of God can still be improved and developed as can anyone else's. So I should respect other people's belief about God and they should respect mine. And if that works in a marriage, then that's still like something healthy and beautiful that can be developed throughout life. I think that that's something that I really love about your guys' podcast is that it gives people an opportunity to learn from the faith of others um, with compassion and empathy, regardless of where they are. Yeah, and I feel like that is uh, one thing about the Latter-day Saints Church that I find, I think, that, that teaching very freeing. You know, I think especially with just the teachings in the Bible and Christianity, you know, it's very much a of a, a black and white discussion it's either you are saved or you're not saved you either proclaim that jesus was legit and he was the dude or you don't and like that's it and it's like one and done kind of thing and i think that a lot of people that i've talked to you know that have had a negative experience in a religion specifically more christian leaning is like often that topic you know and and so i i've always found that interesting just like with the you know mormon belief in kind of how the afterlife works and that everybody will have an opportunity and that i think for mormons too and if you want to touch on this that like hell and how you guys view hell and an afterlife is not necessarily how other 
usually Christians view hell. So. Yeah, I, the first, yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is what Hayden was mentioning earlier about like whether, where we'll be comfortable per se in the afterlife. I, I just think that the foundation, I know that the foundation of like my beliefs is that God is a loving heavenly father. So I think hell is a condition. It's not like a place. It's not the fiery brimstone. Although like that symbolism is, symbolism is important in the scriptures and it has significance. Um, like after final judgment, I believe that hell is a condition, like rather than an exact place or saying like, if you're separated from God, that to me is sad. And so like, if I had to be separated from God, I would be sad and I would consider my state like hell, I guess. So that's what motivates me to keep the commandments in this life. Um, okay. That sounds like so perfect. Like, oh, I just keep all the commandments. You know, that's no big deal. Like, no, I don't. It's way harder than that. Like, I try to bring myself closer to God. That's a better description. I try to bring myself closer to God so that I will want to be with him and that I can have a confidence in his character and that he loves me so much and wants to be with me. So, like, that I can be in, like, heaven. We should call it heaven because um, that's what we believe. So yeah, hell for me is more of a condition. It's like the sum of our experiences and our choices, whether to come to God or move ourselves away from him. Yeah, and I mean, direct us back if my comment shifts us too far, but Haley mentioned like living in a way, like try doing her best to, to keep the commandments and come closer to God um, in part to go to heaven. I think there are also parallels with heaven and hell in our life today like on this earth, that when I am doing my best to strengthen my relationship with God and come to him um, and living in a way that he would have me live, like being an honest, good person, loving others, serving, things like that, not stealing those standard Ten Commandments sorts of things as well, that I'm also happier and more fulfilled in my life. I feel like I have more purpose. And when I'm not, when I'm deviating from, the th from my beliefs, and when my actions and my beliefs are incongruent, I also feel sad and dissonance between God and I. Um, so yeah, there's there's the eternal aspects of it, and then the day to day. Like for me personally, my my motivation for my day to day actions is more motivated by how I feel <laughs> on in this life than the long term. I mean, the long term consequences of my actions are on my mind, but when I think about what motivates me most, it's living how I live makes me happy and makes me feel fulfilled and purposeful. Yeah, what would you say to, you know, people who have been hurt by the Latter-day Saints Church? So obviously, you know, for you, your, your faith brings you happiness and peace. Uh, what would kind of, what would be your guys' response to people who, um, have suffered or had a traumatic experience with faith? Yeah. Um, so actually I have a really good friend who I, I, I was dating a girl um, back in like 2014, 15, who went on a mission and had a terrible, terrible experience. Um, and it has led her to question her faith and question um, like church leaders decision to send people to missions that are potentially dangerous, things like that. Like, so she, she's an example in my mind of someone who has had a bad experience with faith. Um, 
And I think my first response is like, I'm so sorry, like that's terrible. Like give, give her a hug and compassion, first of all, because that's, although bad things do happen in any religious organization or organization otherwise, like that's not the intent. But I mean, when for, first, the first thing I would say is not like, hey, like, sorry you had that experience, that's not what they meant. I think you need to respond with compassion first and just listen and understand what they went through. I don't know. What do you have to add, Haley? Yeah, no, yeah, I would, I mean, compassion and validation. If someone hurt you within the church or if a church teaching um, chides against something that you cherish, like, ouch, that's hard. That's really hard. Um, I would direct my response to them just like back to Christ because I believe that he has felt everything we've and suffered for everything we've suffered and just like I would encourage them to cleave to that saving grace and cleave to people who support them because that is hard and they shouldn't feel like they have to not acknowledge those painful experiences just because the church is true or the church is right like they should um, recognize that they were hurt and yeah, like you're entitled then to the kinship of the Savior to, to help you through those times. Yeah, and I think that's where people sometimes, like, they they are hurt in some way by, like, the organization of the church or something like that. And then they associate that with Christ or with their relationship with Christ as well, or it somehow comes between them and their relationship with Christ what Haley's touching on is that even if there are intentional, unfortunately, at times, mostly unintentional, I hope and pray, flaws in the church and its leadership or whatever it may be, just like, or accidents happen and yeah, whatnot. I just hope that people can still come to Christ and strengthen their relationship with him and lean on him for support through those things um, instead of going away because of those difficulties. I think uh, kind of to enlarge on that, I'm curious your opinion on, because I've seen, I think, you know, you can be born into a faith or you could be in a faith for a long time. And through that experience, maybe it works for you for a while, but then you hit a point where it doesn't work for you. It sounds like this girl you dated, there's something happened on her mission that it just didn't work for her anymore. And so when you're kind of faced with that, the choice of staying unhappy in a certain faith or kind of venturing into the unknown to find that happiness and to find that peace, I mean, what, like, how would you kind of weigh that out yourselves? Like if you, if you have some sort of experience that makes you question your faith a lot or question the organization or whatever it may be, like what, what would we do or what would I do to like, what would be my next steps? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I mean, to an extent, I think it's, well, it's kind of the question of, I mean, how would you weigh the, I thought of, I mean, you know, from where I come from and I, I'm not as familiar with Mormon rules and, you know, kind of how completely how everything's run, but where I come from, there's certain people there go through a bad experience and the way the organization was set up for them, it just, they couldn't kind of escape that bad experience because it would kind of bring things back around. And so maybe they, 
they kind of suffer in that for too long and then fall away and end up in a place that they don't want to be compared to maybe if somebody's able to venture and find a different, maybe a different form of faith or find kind of explore for themselves. There are oftentimes I've seen oftentimes people are able to grow in a way that maybe leads them away from the faith that they started in, but into a place that is better fitted to them and can provide to them more peace kind of and happiness. And I'm just curious about when people kind of face that, I do think that it would be more important to, and this is, I mean, this is kind of just asking you personally, it's not as much of what is Mormons teach, I guess, but do you, do you think yeah. it'd be more important to kind of stay in the faith that you're told is right or to find a faith or, you know, find what works better for you? I mean, I think, I guess I might be phrasing that kind of biased, but you know, just. I think I know where you're going with it though. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't feel it as a negative question. It's a very good question. Um, basically, is it, yeah. Mm. I just asked because coming from a faith that I was taught like, this is the one, this is the one faith, you know? And like, if you kind of grow up in that mindset and then sometimes you, you know, you can face a change. Um, and I've seen people go in a multitude of different directions and what they believe after that and um, mm -hmm. some positive, some negative. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts because I, I know, you know, I, I mean, Mormons, you kind of believe that, well, this is, this is our faith. And like, you do believe that it's the truth, which I mean, many faith, you know, yeah. Christians, they believe it's the truth. And mm -hmm. so to break away from that can be a very painful experience. I'll let Haley start. No, I I am anxious to respond to this question. I love it. I think it's so important. I believe in emotional healing, like as a foundational principle of my life. And if that emotional healing takes you away from the church for a little bit, I say go for it. And I hope that doesn't sound like I'm advocating leaving the church because I, I'm not. I think that it does bring you peace. I know, I don't, I mean, I'm, I, I know how I feel. It brings me peace. It just does. If it doesn't, like, I like what um, you said, Ashton, you mentioned like following peace. And that's the advice that I would give someone who's struggling with their faith is follow the peace, follow the peace that you feel where it leads you, but don't do so without giving an honest and a hard look at like the doctrine of the church, the credibility of your sources, the influences on your emotions and like where you stand with God. Because um, I personally believe that the savior will always lead you closer to him rather than farther away. So if closer to him means farther away from the church for a little bit, um, that's still closer to Christ. Um, and I think that eventually your path will cross back with the church because it provides us the infrastructure of learning and peace and cleansing from sin and utilizing the grace of Christ. Um, but your journey is not a straight line to heaven. It's curvy and ups and downs and all over the place. And so wherever the peace is inviting you to go, as long as you're authentically offering your heart to God and saying, I feel hurt, but I'm going to do my best to find the truth. Like I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt, or I'm going to take some space for myself because I'm literally not capable of being in the church right now. Christ understands. So well said. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't like for my friend who I mentioned, I wouldn't tell her like, okay, keep struggling and forcing yourself to do things that you're not feeling in your heart. But at the same time, where Haley's going, like, 
I have found so much truth and peace and love through my faith that I don't believe that like a final um, and ultimate separation would be the answer. So I think like taking a break and doing those things for your emotional health, but based on my personal experiences and understanding, when people are hurt by the church, it's hurt by culture, by people, by aspects of the organization that don't reflect the deepest and purest doctrines that are how God loves us and sent his son to die for us so that we can come back to him. And at the end of the day, those are the things that I think, I hope, I pray that people can always find peace in. Um, that when they are at a place where they've overcome whatever cultural expectations or um, personal relationships, whatever it may have been that drove them away or hurt them in a way that they needed to leave or take a break or whatever it may be for their individual case, that eventually they can come back through those foundational things, through their love of God and whatnot. Yeah, what Hayden just said makes me uh, think of something. I would say, probably to any person questioning the church, um, go to primary. Primary is a class where all the little kids go, and they sing songs about Jesus and how much they love him, and or how much he loves them, I mean, um, and vice versa. And the spirit that I always feel, or the like, feeling and emotion and conviction I feel when I go and listen to those little kids sing about Jesus is what reminds me that he is the Prince of Peace, and that he... Um, he does understand in all the ways. Yeah. Well, uh, to start kind of wrapping this up, and maybe we've already touched on it. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but uh, what would you hope, you know, listeners, whether they be a part of, you know, the Mormon faith or outside of the church, what would you hope listeners take away from this episode? That we're a Christ-centered church and people and that it's all about those individual experiences with faith that um wherever you are that god loves you and you can pray to him and he will answer you individually um you might find those answers in the scriptures you might find them in experiences in your day-to-day life and you might just find them as like feelings in your heart but um i believe and i think so many people within our faith believe that you can have a personal relationship with your heavenly father with god um that would be i'd say my biggest takeaway for people hopefully Mm. i would say mine might be come and see um i totally respect interfaith things i actually think diversity is the coolest thing ever because the different ways we look at the world just helps us be more productive it helps us be creative it helps us learn um so anyone, I would just say come and see whether you want to like actually be interested or not. Just like look around at the people, see the byproducts of their lives as they try to do good. There are people who don't do that too. Like we're all human and this is a world of people who can make their own choices. Um, but for anyone who wants to know more or wants to like feel um, like the peace that we have talked about or that I've talked about, um, I would just say like, Come and see and investigate and learn and ask questions, even if they're sensitive or seem to touch on things that are like scary. Yeah. We just want to thank Hayden and Haley one more time for coming on the What the Faith podcast and 
talking to us about some pretty, you know, complex topics. Um, we realized we obviously couldn't cover everything in this episode, so we will be including some links in the episode description for people who would like to learn more about the LDS Church and some of the topics we discussed around the Pearl of Great Prize, Joseph Smith, and, and other Mormonism um, doctrine. So be sure to check that out in the episode description, and we'll also include links on our website at whatthefaith.space. So be sure to check everything out there, and we'll be back next week for a brand new episode.